This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. What is going on? Ryan is not in the studio. It's Shira and Shara Giselle is joining me today. Yes. Hi, Shira. Hi. Midweek hump day. That's what I'm talking about. We're bringing in the good vibes, not just through us, but through our mugs. You know, I think Shar and I connect on many things, including this one thing that Ryan doesn't usually like, the cheesy stuff, including the messages on mugs, yes. like on teas. I call it the woo-woo-woo. We like the woo-woo-woo. We do like the woo-woo-woo. Like, for example, my tea, my mug today, like the first two days, Monday and Tuesday, I just had an S mug, like my initial M1 yeah. mug. My mug today says, be kind to you. And Shira passed <laughs> on to me, I brought in a ginger tea, yeah, but Shira well, passed it. on to me a tangerine. What flavor is this? It's like a tangerine yeah, it's like an tea. Orangey, yeah, sweet tangerine. Well, the tea bag says, "May your head and heart speak with one voice." So I'm taking that spirit with me as we start today's show. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. I love it. Well, we've got lots coming up, including Adele opening up to Oprah, which she had to say is in the tea report oh, in yes. a moment. Yeah, Oprah always gets the good interviews. I mean, it's Oprah. Yep. You just sit down with her. I feel like you just sit down with her and she hypnotizes you and you just start talking. Totally, exactly. <laughs> Plus, we have one of the lawyers who helped win marriage equality joining us to talk about how we shouldn't take it for granted because the GOP could take it all away. That's in 30 Ooh. minutes. First, let's get into somewhat trending this hour. Transport- uh, Transportation Secretary uh, Pete Buttigieg says that labor shortages reflect a deeper reckoning against working for poverty wages. Uh, but I also think there's a bigger, deeper reckoning going on uh, in this country. You know, we, we went for a long time where uh, I think a lot of people just assumed that working for uh, poverty wages was the only way out. Now we're seeing better wages, even in jobs like, you know, fast food that were not known for generosity and pay or benefits. I do think that'll have an effect. I don't think it'll have an effect overnight. Yeah, that is definitely the hope, right? Yeah, I mean, we need I was just thinking about when I was driving into work today, um, I was at a light and I just was examining, you know, SoCal's gas prices. Mm. And I'm like, I just think about how there's so much inflation everywhere. But, you know, it's inflation everywhere. But my paycheck. Well, (laughs) hopefully it'll be a domino effect. (laughs) Uh, Now, Kyle Rittenhouse, the armed Illinois teenager who killed two people and wounded another during unrest in Kenosha, Wisconsin last summer, is testifying in his own defense during his trial on homicide charges. Rittenhouse, who's now 18, is charged with five felonies 
And this will be interesting because it's a case that will test the distinction between self-defense and what they're calling vigilante killings. Yeah, this 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 trial, As let me just say this, as a black American, I'm not someone who's front row seat watching these trials because I've had too much disappointment in my short 33 years yeah, of life. Yeah, it's also triggering to but, watch Oh, stuff. very much so. But I should mention that his charges include first degree intentional homicide, attempted first degree intentional homicide, first degree reckless homicide, and reckless endangerment, two counts of that, and carrying a firearm illegally as a minor. Now, um, yeah, he killed two people and one person was injured. I think the, the injured person who's Gage Grosskreutz, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, um, took the stand. And, you know, I'm just fearful for acquittal. Because, like I said, I'm so used to disappointment when it comes to these things, and it was so clear. Like, I really try to look at this as as objectively as possible when these things come up. But Mm -hmm. I think it was so clear, and it's intellectually dishonest not to look at this as what it is, which was a a vigilante who came up from Illinois to to go to Wisconsin and wreak havoc on the protesters. Yeah, so we will see very soon how that lands. And stick around for what's trending this hour next hour, because I'll tell you who's people's sexiest man alive. And did he deserve that recognition? Mm. First, let's get into some entertainment news with the tea report what's going on sharp oprah is saying hello from the other oh, side oh hey hey <laughs> to adele this upcoming sunday in a two-hour tv special on cbs it's set to air on cbs it's called adele one night only and mm. we will see the 15-time grammy winner speak candidly to the talk show queen about diets dating and divorce now oprah ended up telling adele like listen your video for hello has been viewed over three billion times on youtube can you believe that shira that's wild three billion times worldwide this is what adele had to say um the song to me was was the beginning of me trying to find myself and I hadn't figured out yet what it was that I had to do for that. But when I wrote it, it was a real ode to like little me, older me, like all of these things like, you know, so it's just a song about like, I'm still here. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like, hi, I'm still here. Like- yeah, so that's what she had to say about hello, but I should mention mm-hmm. that the program on Sunday will also feature Adele performing tracks from her anticipated upcoming album, 30, oh. which is set to be released next Friday on November 19th. Now, I'm very, very excited about this. I'm a fan of Adele, and by default, hello, I'm a black woman in broadcasting. Of course, I'm a fan of Oprah Winfrey. So I'm excited Obviously. to see these two. And Oprah interviews are always so good. I love the one that she did with Will Smith on Apple TV Plus mm-hmm. as well. Like I, just, I need I to just, watch that one. It's so good. It's an hour and 30 minutes long, but I love Oprah's interviews. And like I said, I love Adele. And I've been really enjoying this press run. She was all over Vogue social media, you know, doing the 73 questions and et cetera, et cetera. They did it right. And Adele also has one of those personalities where I'm like, I could party with her. She does. You could see that from her IG Live. Yeah, right? yeah, It was yeah. the IG Live. It's not even these interviews. It's the IG Live where she was like, how do you use this? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, you know, she was just so cool and chill. I yeah, forget that cool. she's a peer of mine. Like, Adele it's and I weird. are the same age. She's done a lot. <laughs> and the fact that she could take off a few years in between albums and still kill it is just amazing. No one like her. Mm-hmm. Well, next up, while the infrastructure bill has passed, a group of progressives are defending their no vote. How that will impact Democrats moving forward, we break it down next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Well, AOC and her squad are defending their infrastructure no votes. So how will this impact how Democrats move forward on these future bills? James Downey joins us right now, digital opinions editor at The Washington Post. Thanks for being here, James. Thank you for having me. Well, why did they vote no? What was their reason for this? 
simply put, they don't trust uh, the, the conservative holdouts in their caucus. The uh, I apologize for the background noise here. No, you're out and about I in the police, action, right? I, well, I have police going by my house, oh. unfortunately. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I apologize for that. No worries. Um, anyway, uh, they simply don't trust the conservative holdouts in the Democratic Party. We've seen again and again that Josh Gottheimer, uh, one of the, the leader of this gr- group of conservative holdouts, about five to seven, depending on the, the week, uh, demand different things, different things be taken out of the bill, different things be added to the, to the Build Back Better bill. And frankly, these, the, the, the squad simply doesn't trust them. And I think quite rightly, um, there's been too many revisions, uh, too much, too much uh, 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 dawdling. So let me ask you this. Why do you think that because it seems to be a mistrust and I don't know if that's the correct word, but between the more progressive Dems and the more moderate, why do you think that the more progressive Democrats like the squad seemingly don't trust the moderate Democrats? Well, they, I think they simply don't trust the moderate Democrats for the reasons that we've, you know, we've seen. This, these bills were supposed to be passed, you know, ideally originally over the summer. Um, well in advance of the midterms. And it's been a lot of different, a lot of goalpost shifting from the moderates in terms of, you know, they wanted, uh, you know, they weren't comfortable with prescription drug uh, pricing, some of them. Uh, others wanted the state and local tax deduction, the overwhelming majority of which, uh, benefits of which go to wealth, the wealthiest Americans. They wanted that in the bill. Um, they wanted a smaller spending. They wanted this and that. And I think the squad simply believes that if you, you know, if you give them another inch, they're just simply not going to, um, by, by not, pat, you know, you're going to give them another inch. They're simply not going to, that's yeah. not going to satisfy the moderates. And they have every and right to believe I that. I get that. But then it, are they then holding back is still going to impact a lot of people. Like if this hadn't gotten passed last week, like we would have continued to push and push and push. Is that going to really get them what they want or just leave the Democrats completely not passing anything? I think the squad believes that the only way you're going to get both bills passed is that the only way that both bills were going to be passed, or at least by far the best chance, was to have both bills passed at the same time. That mm-hmm. the only reason that we're oh, yeah. that these two, that that Build Back Better is still even a possibility is because the infrastructure bill had been tied to it for so long. Uh, um, and by taking away that that you know by by taking away the infrastructure bill as leverage. You, you've greatly reduced the future leverage over the conservative Democrats when they come back and say, oh, well, this little thing in the CBO score, you know, that, which is now, of course, going to be delayed maybe until maybe as, as late as Thanksgiving, um, you know, that, that they're going to find something to complain about. And once if that happens, there's no more leverage for the progressive the larger progressive caucus or the, the uh, to to to, you know, hold over the moderates. When it comes to party loyalty, unity and messaging, um, there's been a lot of conversation around uh, Democrats kind of falling short and Republicans having a unified front. But we just witnessed with this infrastructure uh, bill, 13 Republicans who, you know, voted in favor of bipartisanship are now being attacked. What do you think needs to happen to, uh, I guess, spearhead and more and, and better massage out Democrats' messaging to make us more of a unified front? What do you think needs to happen? Well, yeah, I think it needs to be, well, I think, first of all, it needs to be put into perspective. We're talking about a very small number of Democrats, both in the House and the Senate. If Democrats had a 55-45 majority in the Senate and they had 10 more seats in the House, we wouldn't be talking, we would not be in this position. You have 98, 99% of the, uh, or close to, 
98% of the House Democrats are, you know, are of one mind, and you have a small number of holdouts that are driving this. Um, but in terms of the, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, keeping everyone more united, I think that the president, you know, I think, I think it starts at the top. I think it starts with, you know, what does President Biden do to sort of jump in and, and push these, these uh, holdouts on, you know, things in their district, um, you know, making, you know, uh, other little levers that only the president can pull. It, it's a tough job, to be fair, but I think that's where it starts. Okay, well, that was James Downey, digital opinions editor at The Washington Post. Thank you again. Thank you for having me. Next up, one of the lawyers who helped win marriage equality joins us to share why we shouldn't take it for granted and what the GOP might do to take it away. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Our next guest in 2016 published an op-ed saying, Trump and LGBTQ rights, your worst nightmare is unlikely to come true. Uh, And now he has an article on Salon.com that says, I was one of the lawyers who helped win marriage equality. And yes, the GOP can take it away. Right now, yeah. Joining us on Let's Go There is Dan Cannon, a civil rights lawyer, educator and writer. Thanks for joining us. Hi, folks. How are you? Um, We are, you know, great. But obviously a headline like yours is very concerning. And, you know, thank you for the work that you've done over the years. I mean, you are an icon and you've created history for, you know, the world in this community. But why is this that this is still something that is uh, so fragile? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that, you know, um, if you look at what's happening with reproductive rights right now, um, you can sort of see the roadmap. I mean, you can kind of kind of peer into the future of what's likely to happen on a lot of different fronts. And it's something that, that I didn't see coming in 2016. You know, lawyers, civil rights lawyers like me have been sounding the alarm on the, the federal judiciary for a long time since the George W. Bush era, right? You know, we know that federal judges, generally speaking, are terrible. And, uh, you know, uh, the courts have been packed with these folks that are making awful decisions on uh, particularly in the areas of civil rights and criminal justice and everything else. Um, but, you know, we thought at the time, I thought at the time, you know, that, that Trump was elected, that it was unlikely that the judiciary would get so bad that they would just let red state legislatures sort of run wild and do whatever they wanted to do. At that time, you know, we were still litigating cases like the Kim Davis case, mm. um, which, you know, if, you, if I'm sure your listeners will remember, is the clerk in Kentucky that refused to issue marriage licenses. Well, you know, at that time in 2015, 2016, right after Obergefell, right after the marriage equality case um, opinion by the Supreme Court, you know, the federal judges in the lower courts were like, no, we can't, we can't let individual county clerks decide what the law is. And, you know, we have to do something about this and we have to stand in the way of, you know, um, uh, individual clerks and red state, red state legislatures and, you know, other folks that would just uh, just as soon walk all over LGBTQ rights and all all kinds of other rights. And so they were actively working to stop, you know, these terrible bills like you've got in Texas, SB 8 um, and, you know, Kim Davis and, and all kinds of other terrible things that, uh, that the GOP was trying to do at that time. Uh, well, you know, fast forward five years and, and the judiciary is packed with even worse judges, um, that really just don't care about anything, you know, yeah. for a lack of a better way of saying it. Um, so, you know, it, it, you run into a situation where uh, Texas has been trying for, you know, years and years to implement the worst of the worst abortion bills. 
And they finally, you know, implement SB8, which is uh, allows private citizens to become bounty hunters for anybody that's seeking an abortion and bans abortion after six weeks. And, you know, the courts have been shooting those down for years. And, and finally, there's enough, you know, these Trump judges in place to say, eh, let's just let this one go into effect and see what happens. Well, there's no reason to think that that, that can't happen with marriage or a whole host of other civil right. rights. You know, and, and, if that, and if that happens, it becomes precisely the scenario that we were, you know, sort of scaring the courts with, with Kim Davis. It's like, well, you know, you have, what, if, what happens if a governor of a state right. says, listen, right. we're just not going to recognize marriage equality anymore. It can happen. Um, and, I'm, and, I'm yeah. so, and I'm so, so glad that you brought up reproductive rights because I feel like I'm always yelling at the top of my lungs about how, like, interlocking systems of oppression are inextricably linked. Like, you can't think you're safe. Like, you know, Shira, we've talked about this. I've talked to certain people like, well, if your man is homophobic, he most likely is misogynistic as well. Like, it's all linked. Yeah. Um, but for the sake of the conversation, you know, all of this stuff, all of these conversations can seem so dismal. What can be done to ensure that uh, that uh, these rights for same-sex unions and, um, and marriage equality aren't rolled back like what can we do is there anything we can do like what can be done well this is where i wish i had a great answer for you i i I don't i mean i think the best i can tell you from my sphere of existence is that you know we can't rely on the courts to do it like we know that for sure you know and um and i think that's where lawyers get stuck uh, and people that have sort of existed in in you know in in civil rights movements you know since the 1960s have sort of had this mentality of, all right, well, the courts will will stop the worst things from happening. Well, we're not there anymore. We're not in that historical moment anymore, you know, Um, and it's important that we recognize that. I think that's the first step towards uh, doing it. But I mean, you know, it's got it. it, Top down solutions are just not going to work anymore. And and we've got to start working on ground up, you know, bottom up solutions and 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 figuring out what we're going to do to organize and make things better. Uh, the courts are not going to fix it. Definitely. That was civil rights lawyer, educator, and writer Dan Cannon. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing and for educating all of us. Lots of work to do still. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, next up, a woman became the first patient to be diagnosed with climate change. What does that mean? What is that, <laughs> honey? That's next. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.
Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. This Canadian woman who was facing breathing problems is possibly the world's first patient to suffer from the direct effects of climate change. She has what they call climate change. That's what it's called. Like your sickness is climate change. They need to find another name for that. Right? It's confusing. Because when this story was first presented to me this morning, I was like, diagnosed with climate change. But, you know, this is Canada. So what do you have to say for your people, Shira? Hey, I don't know. What's that about, eh? <laughs> That's uh, terrible, though. She's in her 70s, right? Yes. It's terrible. She was diagnosed after a heat wave. According to the doctors, the poor air quality and heat waves are responsible for her condition. And they've worsened. She's struggling to stay hydrated. We had to figure out how to cool someone in the emergency department. People running out to the dollar store to buy spray bottles. So this is something that... A lot of us are going to be dealing with as we get more heat waves, as water as we you age. Know, it's drier. California, SoCal is going through a drought right now. There's mm-hmm. literally a sign, you know, one of those like light up signs that you see on the road that's like slow down or buckle yeah. up your seatbelt. There's a sign by an exit yeah. near my apartment that's like that. conserve water. Right, like it's it's bad out here, and it's just I don't know. I'm I. I'm optimistic about the future, but I'm also a bit fearful. I mean, it's a mix of climate Can't, change and American politics that I just feel like I don't know where we're going with it's gonna this. It's going to self-combust. Yeah, it's going to have to. It's going to have to. It, it is strange. Like, um, my QAnon pa- is yeah. growing. Like, it's going to have to to implode. My my partner was sharing a picture of where he lives and a picture when he bought the house, and it was all green, lush all around the house. Now. There is no green around that house. And that, for me, between the fires that recently happened and then the dryness, like it's just cost too much money to water all that. Literally, there is no greenery in that way. And for me, like that was huge. And that's only in like the past seven years, five years. Yeah. And it's exponentially even the beaches are, are washing out. Like the water's not um, coming up as close to shore as it used to, as even so far as a decade ago. Yeah. So like the idea that you have breathing issues or asthma, I think in the past it was like, yo, you're not as- asthmatic. Yeah. Now, though, they can directly correlate it and connect it to the air quality. The air quality is not just you weren't born with that health condition. It was from the environment. And what is causing your environment to do that? It is, you know, different industries, right? The fossil fuel industry, gas. Jeff Bezos. Yeah. (laughs) Elon Musk. Capitalism. It's a few of them. Uh, The uh, industrialism, all of it, right? We all have a carbon footprint, but some some people's footprints is bigger than others. (laughs) And it's causing, like like I said, I'm a little bit It's fearful. like the Bigfoot footprint. Yeah. Right, yeah. So be aware of that. Like, it, we blame ourselves because we're part of the problem. But also, remember, if you are experiencing health issues, once again, were you born with it? 
Or was it because where you are living and how is it impacting you? And I also think that it's important for us to reframe and redirect the conversation because I notice a lot of people are still talking about climate change as if it's like something, a problem that's looming in the future. And it's like, no, it's a crisis right now. November 10th, 2021, like climate change is a crisis right in this moment. The thing is, we want to correct what we can now. We don't want it to to get out of hand and then be out here just melting every June. Yeah. And also don't normalize it. The more we go, oh, this is just the way nature works. It comes and goes. Mm, No, yeah. The way, yeah, things happen. Like, yeah, there are fires or hurricanes, this, that, but we're seeing it at another level. At an alarming rate, Exactly. So at that point, you're like... The tornadoes have increased. The the storms, the winter storms, the hurricanes, like everything is like at level 10. And the heat wave, yeah. Like... People die when there are heat waves. Let's yeah. be clear. It's not well, like you I just go in and go into about, air conditioning. Which I always found odd about Los Angeles is that some apartment complexes and some of these old houses were not built with air condi- Like, yep. And when I say air, I mean like central air. Like they got like a wall unit in the bathroom. And I'm like, this is L.A. This is L.A. You mean to tell me there's not air? There's not a vent, a ventilation system in this house? What? Exactly. And speaking of inequities, right, because this impacts people who are the poorest the most, right? Mm-hmm. As things get more expensive all those things to keep you safe from these issues become more expensive too. Yeah. So this is like... And like we mm, mentioned at the top of the show, everything's becoming inflated, but the paychecks, we we need some sort of economic boost. And I know we're coming out of a pandemic, but somebody needs... I'm no mathematician and I don't work on the hill, but somebody needs to figure something out and they need to do it fast. And Mm -hmm. I don't know how we're going to come together with this because, like I said, politics are more radicalized and tribal than ever. Mm -hmm. And the the planet is heating up. (laughs) It doesn't look good. It's not looking too good. I don't know how many more jobs I can take on (laughs) to pay for my bills. I'm just saying. (laughs) Unless I work in my sleep. (laughs) Okay, well, next up, who is people's sexiest man alive? Yeah, we could use some sexy news. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yeah, we are back. It's Shira. Ryan is out today, but Sharja Sal is here joining me in studio. Oh, yes. Hi, Shira Lazar. Hi, Sharja Sal. <laughs> <laughs> I love when you say my full name. <laughs> Stephanie Germanata. <laughs> oh, yes. So there's an inside joke between me and Shara that I remind her of Lady Gaga. There's only certain times where Shira's <laughs> voice gets really, really low in register Hello. and kind of husky. Yes. Where I'm like, wait a minute, is that Gaga? Is that Miss Born this way hey, in the studio? I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, we've lots coming up on the show. A top model discussing Pete Davidson's appeal. That's at the tier report in a moment. Mm. All these hotties that love Pete Davidson. What is going on? I can tell you <laughs> what I think when we get to the segment. Plus, inside an online community of people with microchip implants. What do we think about all of that? We're getting into that discussion in 30 minutes. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though. The U.S. Department of Labor today announced a proposal that would rescind a Trump administration rule that expanded a religious exemption from anti-discrimination laws for federal contractors. So basically, the rule uh, that went into effect in the last days of President Donald Trump's administration, it broadened the exemption to include employers who hold themselves out to the public as carrying out a religious purpose. So before it had applied to religious groups. So basically anyone who said they are religious 
could use this as a form of discrimination. Yes, I've been hearing. Okay, so I'm not that well versed on this, but I've definitely been trying to keep my, Mm -hmm. you know, my ear to the streets with respect to giving myself a break. But I've been hearing this as far as a lot of uh, anti-trans legislation is concerned about health care, like how Mm -hmm. people can use that religious exemption. You can come in, you know, with the car accident or something and they cut your clothes off and discover that you're you're trans and like up well my religious you know exemption i'm not going to save this person's life it's just where are we going where are we headed as as a nation i know i've asked this question like six times on today's episode but it's it's really troubling to me yeah well thankfully they rescinded the rule the the department will return to policies consistent with those in place during uh, obama's administration and george w bush so that's a good thing at least yeah Now, as Governor Ron DeSantis continues to go up against the Biden administration, he is now using undocumented individuals to threaten President Biden on border security. If they're going to come here, you know, we'll provide buses and provide them. Uh, I will send them to Delaware and do that. I mean, if if he's not going to support the border being secured, then then he should be able to have uh, everyone there. Uh, So we will do whatever we can uh, in that regard. And we are absolutely going to do everything we can. Yeah, just like throw them off, bust them Delaware out. Delaware is where Biden's from. Exactly. That's However, what he's saying. I'm confused. Like I said, I keep up, but I'm a little confused on this because from my understanding, the Biden administration was supporting the border. Remember Kamala Harris came out and said, if you want to come here, don't. Remember when that made headline news earlier this year? She was like, go home. If you're trying to come over to the States, you know, um, for what is it when you're seeking asylum? Asylum, Don't. That's essentially what they said. said. Because we can't manage it. There's a crisis. But I don't think they feel like they're doing enough. And they're obviously not necessarily against you know, refugees or immigrants. It's more saying like, well, we I mean, we, we saw what it. just happened with Haiti when when Haitians were trying to come over here and they had, you know, law enforcement on, on horseback. But with it's never it's, whips. it's never enough. Right. Uh, we But we know both of their stances. It's like I don't think the Democrats are against immigration. It's more that they're oh, no. not handling it well. And then the Democrats need to get crystal clear it. on their messaging. Yeah. That's where I stand with that. But DeSantis, I, I, I have nothing for him. Or as they now call him, Governor Death Santis. Oh. Since he that. doesn't believe in, in COVID, apparently. But True. go ahead. <laughs> Let's move on to people's sexiest man alive, please. We need some, mm, you know, mm, something mm. else here today. It goes to Paul Rudd. I mean, Paul Rudd beat out a lot of people. Oh, clearly. Funniest tweet I saw today is Paul Rudd looks like his name. Like, when you think Paul he, Rudd, that's, yeah, that's the image. He's that, like, like a, he, a funny, cute sexy dude i think that he's representative of all those guys who are funny cute right and that is the new sexy paul rudd you can get a paul rudd anywhere i think he represents accessibility paul rudd is at ralph's paul rudd might be in this building paul rudd may be when i get my oil change he just has such a common face but what i will say is he does look hot on the cover Mm -hmm. i like his photo spread but paul rudd is not an ugly man to me he's cute he's just certainly not the sexiest man they went from michael b jordan Right? Last year yeah, to Paul Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rudd. But Michael B. Jordan does nothing for me either. So in oh, fairness. I think it's pretty sexy. Paul Rudd. <laughs> congratulations, Mr. Rudd. Exactly. What's happening in the T-Report, Charm? So 
Emma M. Rada, as some people call her. Her name is Emily Rada Radakowski. Radakowski. She's a supermodel. They say she's Kendall Jenner's, you know, tethered, her doppelganger. Well, she's come out and she I should mention she was asked this. She appeared on a late night show and was asked about her about the what does she think the appeal of Pete Davidson is? Because you know, Pete Davidson keeps an attractive woman on his arms. He has quite the dating <laughs> history. And she went on to say that she that he's professional. That's what she told Seth Meyers. That's where she appeared on Monday night. Because, you know, she's pr- plugging her book. She has a memoir out. She said, first of all, that's the first thing you should know about Pete. He's got height. Obviously, women find that him very attractive. He's super charming. He's vulnerable, lovely. His fingernail polish is awesome. He looks good. On top of all of that, the King of Staten Island star has, quote, a super great relationship with his mother, according to okay. Emrata. It's true. If you have a good relationship with your mom, usually you're good being within a relationship with others. Now, we know that that's producer Vanessa's type because we talked about this off air. Pete is not an ugly man to me, but I also, you remember what Ariana Grande said about him. Now, I can't say this on, on the air, but if you need to watch the Thank You Next video by Ariana Grande while she's writing in her burn book like Regina George on Mean Girls, you'll see what she said about Pete Davidson and it has nothing to do with those qualities that Emily just rattled Some off. other qualities down below. It has to do with his big, big, large sense of humor. She's also very small, so it depends, like, sizes. Oh, no, I think, I think, I think Pete, I don't think Ariana's exaggerating. <laughs> I think Pete might, I think Pete might have a, a trick in that treat. So, uh, That's why yeah. he's a professional. <laughs> Right, right. Moving on. Uh, so are people lying more since the rise of social media and smartphones? We've got those answers for you next. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. It's one thing falling in love with a house, and quite another navigating the world of negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. Guidance from an agent who's a Realtor can make all the difference, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Lies, lies. What's happened to our clip, Vanessa? We We had a clip. Lies, lies, and more lies, and lies on top of lies. That's all that is. That is all that is. In case you didn't recognize that voice, that was the queen of soul, the late, great Aretha Franklin. I love that. Lies, lies, and more lies. Well, speaking of which, as we become more connected on tech and social media, it's, of course, creating more connections, but it could also be making more of us lie. And, you know, you might be uh, giving us a side eye right now. You could be one of those people just saying, but it's okay. We're here to help. David Markowitz joins us right now, an assistant professor of social media data analytics at University of Oregon. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, you've actually uh, studied this, and it's an update of a 2004 study. Tell us more about it. 
Of course. So a study back in 2004 evaluated how characteristics of different media predicted how much people lied. And what that study observed is that most people tell uh, most lies per social interaction over the phone and the least lies per social interaction occurred via email, sort of contrary to what people might actually think. So that yeah, that is. I was thinking about well, like when I was reading this, I instantly thought about HBO's documentary. It's called Fake Famous, where they like mm. literally pluck people out of obscurity and make them influencers, and everyone follows them. It's really fascinating. I think everybody should watch it. I mean, HBO didn't pay me to say that, but I mean, check it out. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I want to know what stark differences because you just mentioned like the phone and email, but now we have visual, right? We got Instagram, we got TikTok. Mm-hmm. What differences have uh, between 2004 and 2021, I'd say, uh, when it comes to the lying? So the answer is not much if we think about the features of the actual technology. So that's one of the really important parts of the study. So um, there are a variety of different media features that can predict how often people lie. The one being how synchronous a medium is. So can people communicate back and forth? how distributed the communication is, meaning are people far away from each other physically? And also, is there a record of the communication or not? Meaning, do the messages go away by default? And the media that typically fit this description were um, back then just the phone. But now we have phone and video chat. And consistent with the 2004 study, I found that people tended to tell more lies for social uh, social interaction on the phone and video chat compared to other media in the study that were evaluated, such as face-to-face communication, the phone, texting, video chat, email, and social media. Now, how are people lying exactly? Are they just they're not saying the right things or like catfishing people exaggerating sure so yeah so the types of lies i didn't actually recruit that information that's certainly a a next step but um what i found in some other settings such as mobile dating deception we actually find that a lot of lies tend to reflect one of two things either lies about self-presentation so trying to look and appear likable attractive or interesting Mm -hmm. or lies about what we call availability management so trying to manage how available you seem to others such as Mm -hmm. oh i'm so sorry i can't do that right now i'm uh, studying for a test when really you were at the bar you didn't want to appear like you were actually um, doing one thing when you actually wanted to suggest you were doing another so um, we tried to manage how available we are not to be jerks but because it's a way to massage a relationship I would love 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 to have like a breakdown about like who's doing the lying you know what I'm saying like I want it like a gender mm-hmm. a oh, race yeah. um, people more prone to lie who live in Dubuque Montana or Dubuque Iowa <laughs> <laughs> or are they more prone to lie who live in New York City or Los Angeles? Like, you know, is it small town lying or big city lying, you know? And industry profession. That's re- yeah, that's a wonderful question. Unfortunately, I don't have breakdowns by geography, but um, there is a really interesting distinction in the deception literature called people who are prolific liars versus everyday liars. And you What's can think the of the prolific liars as people who tend to lie a lot. These are the individuals who... Uh, more often than not, take up the opportunity for deception compared to everyday liars. And we know from the literature that prolific liars tend to be younger. They tend to be self. They tend to self-identify as male, 
And with some new evidence that well, has just been collecting recently, they tend to be about 12 times more likely to be high on this trait called psychopathy than people who are everyday liars. So there is some dispositional traits associated with these prolific liars compared to everyday liars and also some demographic differences. Fascinating. What are we supposed to do with all this information now that we know there are, people are a bunch of liars? <laughs> Well, no, I think it's actually the opposite conclusion here. So I think um, what's kind of interesting is that if you look at the average rate of lying in the study, so on average, only about 8% of interactions reported that they contained a lie in the study, not 80, but just 8. Um, And that's consistent with a lot of other work that I've done, for example, on that mobile dating deception that I mentioned before, where only in that study, about 7% of messages people sent to their partners were deceptive. So deception is actually the exception and not the rule for how people tend to communicate with others. And that's a really adaptive thing. It's also a really encouraging thing that we can often trust the other person who's communicating with us because they're predominantly honest. And you know what, David, I know that you only did this on um, you all picked up this study, like I said, from 2004. But I want to know a study Mm -hmm. on dating apps and lying like that. That's what I want to get to the nitty gritty of, because it seems like it's a little bit more turned up on dating apps than any other app. But maybe that's my own bias showing. (laughs) Just feels like everyone's lying. Yeah, we can talk all day about that if you like. Yeah, I I did a study back in 2018 on that that basically found only about 7% of messages were deceptive on dating apps. Um, And people have a variety of different goals for uh, lying to their partner. Okay, well, that that was uh, David Markowitz, Assistant Professor of Social Media Data Analytics at the University of Oregon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Check out more about his study on theconversation.com. Next up, we're talking about microchip implants in your body and more about an online community of people doing this. Nope. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. There is a growing community of people who have decided to put microchips into their body. They have RFID chips in their body implants that allow them to do everything from store you know their protected information from like their their bank payments like they could just swipe their hand instead of a credit card uh, they have their crypto wallet they have even their vaccine card and this is becoming more and more n- normal pretty much it's not even about the future this is here What do we think about this? Would you be down to put a microchip implant or have one put it in you? Absolutely not. No. (laughs) There you go. No. Um, I was reading this article that we are referencing, which is from Vice.com, which will be available on LGT um, socials. But uh, (laughs) LGT show. Yes. But uh, no, I have no desire for one. I'm not tethered to anything mm-hmm. to that magnitude, right? Like, I don't need to have my phone on me. It is a luxury. It is nice to have on me. But having it in my, like, the thought of, like, my phone being a microchip in my hand is not alluring to me. Just, you know, the human body is like a living, breathing organism. Yeah, I have no desire to, to merge with machine. Because machines go haywire. 
Mm-hmm. And you know what? There's someone out there running around named uh, Zuckerberg of the Mark. And <laughs> I don't need him. I don't need anything possibly going haywire. And now I can't think or function for myself because I've I've married my body with machine. I agree. No. And, you, and some people will think, well, you're already doing that because even though you don't have a phone in you, it's already manipulating you and impacting you. But yes, there's still a difference. We still have sovereignty over our body. Yes. We are being impacted by all this, whether it be uh, it's physical presence close to us or even as we consume information. But there is that step further that becomes even more concerning. I don't want to be concerning. a cyborg. I don't yeah. want to be a cyborg, you know. Um, well, and, even, yeah. and even still, mm-hmm. uh, with respect to what you just said, if someone wanted to, if I wanted to take your phone away from you, Shira, if you said, Shar, I'm so addicted to this mm-hmm. and I want to take your phone away from you, yeah, you might have the cold sweats or be a little nervous, but it's still not attached to you. I think there's a danger in that. I'm sorry. And some people may call me outdated, old school. Nothing about this seems alluring or appealing to me. So, Nothing. Yeah. Uh, the only way I think I would do this, and again, we had this uh, woman filmmaker, good friend of mine, Taryn Southern on, who does a lot with AI and neurotech. She did a documentary called I Am Human about human cyborgs. But the thing is, this is these are humans who are paralyzed. Okay, that's have, different. Yeah, Parkinson's or MS. And, they and I literally don't want to sound ableist with my point because, yeah, yeah that's but different. Yeah, like, I think that is different. But these are part. Of, this is part of the conversation, right, the nuance of this conversation. There are technologies. And by the way, even those people, many who are have disabilities are still scared because of what could happen, yeah. right? But some of these people are getting their life back or the idea that you could change that, like not be paralyzed anymore. That is crazy. But that is different. That is totally different than having the luxury of having, or having like a card or something. Like that's totally different. If you're doing something life-saving and life affirming (laughs) than just lazily putting like, like I said, your vaccine fingers in your, I mean, your vaccine cards in your index finger, Apple pay is in your thumb, your contacts are in your middle finger, Instagram on your ring finger, Twitter (laughs) on your pinky. Like I, I don't have time for and then the phone interfaces your palm. I have no desire to marry my body with machine. I yep. just do not. And we can keep physical keys and physical phones as far as I'm concerned and physical vaccine cards as far as I'm concerned. Keep you're going to be the physical lady. Oh yes. Old school physical hey, lady. Say call it like you see it. Uh, well, coming up speaking of apps and tech, Demi Lovato seems to be promoting this new app, but it might be a hub for a conspiracy theory movement. So we're going to talk more about that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Demi Lovato is promoting an app. It's actually not a new app, but it's new for her her and her followers. Yeah, for them. Actually, them, them and her. Oh, really? Yeah, they just announced that recently. Well, anyway, but a lot of you are calling that out because Gaia, the app, which is a wellness app, 750K paid subscribers, they have these like alternative higher consciousness programming. They got a bit dragged during COVID because a lot of the conspiracy theorists in the wellness community ended up who who are kicked off of the other traditional social media platforms actually moved towards there to provide programming. And so it became (laughs) that place for a lot of QAnon theory like Lucky Duck. People. Isn't that like a right wing search engine? It's something called Lucky Duck or something like that. The thing like is about that. this is a lot of these <laughs> folks don't necessarily, and this is where it gets weird and nuanced, they don't look at themselves as right wing. They're more like not, they're progressive, but not 
democratic progressive. Like they're just against like they they think that all government is out to get them. They don't believe in any sort of, you know, yeah, government control. They're but very holistic. The they, reason they're the anti-vax. Reason, and the all reason that. why I've grouped them in with right wing is because they echo a lot of right wing. They sentiments. echo, but they would say, oh, we're not that. But like they don't realize how close they are to that and they're how like problematic they could be. Yes. Um, I just have to, you know, I Demi Lovato get on my nerves. <laughs> like I just have to be like this year alone. I know Demi is a friend to the show and a friend to the network. Odyssey, Demi, yes. Check Demi out their podcast. On Lovato Odyssey. is a thorn in my pop culture side. Oh, it's only because every headline that rolls out about them, I find myself rolling my eyes at. Like they have worn me out this year. I need them to take a long break and go sit down somewhere. Well, they've been busy. Yeah, uh, yeah they've, been they've, they've been they busy. They've been busy. They probably uh, need a little break. And listen, like two years ago, I would have said, oh, Gaia, that's so cool. Like to have a celebrity promote an app like that, that does have a lot of alternative programming, meditation, yoga, all that. It was like, okay, that's cool. But then as that movement, and I actually know people in that movement because these are people, again, before COVID, I was friendly with. And then as COVID started coming up, I started realizing like they were sharing things uh, like they were they got into the QAnon vibe. They were sharing. They were getting into the QAnon thinking like the Democrats like that. The Democrats are what evil devils trying to uh, steal children. Yeah, with, with the Pizza Gate and the basement and yeah, all that. Yeah, they got all intertwined in so that. So, what do they think about the Republicans then, since you know some of these people? I, uh, if the I don't know. I haven't talked to them really about it. It's more that I've started seeing posts. Okay. And then I also started seeing them doing the uh, child trafficking protests. Yeah. And but like the child trafficking protests were kind of also overshadowing actually the actual work that real nonprofits. I was just that, about to say, um, like, do child trafficking really yeah. do? And a lot of those comp- nonprofits were like, no, we don't need your you help. You are hijacking the movement, exactly. causing a distraction exactly. and not helping. And then they were also, you know, very against social distancing and masks. They're obviously very against vaccinations. They think it's a whole thing. So they don't so. believe in science. And Demi yeah, Lovato yeah. is now a part of this app. And do we know why they joined? Is it to to make sure that we don't call extraterrestrials well, aliens? I think because, I mean, it, it does go with the alien movement. But I think that they're probably also getting paid a bunch of money to promote this. But also because they said it aligns you with know, how they're into mindfulness and wellness. Mm. I'd caution, yeah. I'd caution Demi to do their, their due diligence and their research before associating their name with something That's as controversial as yeah, this. Yeah, you Google it and you will see it pop in the news. It's not a full part of it. It's like one of those things that there's like 25%. But it's been hijacked. It has been hijacked And it's going to keep growing. Yeah. And I actually know someone, and we're going to wrap, but like, I know another very big, uh, a company that's very big in meditation, mindfulness, who's been around for a long time. And they were like, oh, we're talking to Gaia. And I had to send them an article about this whole thing happening would, with Gaia. You know what? I would not be surprised if Demi Lovato eventually slid on over into QAnon territory. It would not shock me. I'm saying that right now it's on all air. all possible. Watch, when the headline comes out, don't tag Shar, don't tweet Shar, because I'm going to say, told uh, you so. You know, QAnon is so 2020. You know, we're moving beyond that. We're 2022. Let us pray. Up. Next up, we're moving on. We're turning this hour, and the director and counsel at Milk Foundation is joining us to talk about the ship being named after Harvey Milk in 30 minutes.
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yes, we are back and more music coming up right here on Channel Q. But first, more show. Is Megxit a problematic term? What Prince Harry thinks in the Tear Report in a moment. And uh, this is what sleeping positions say about your sex life. We're going to be getting into that in 30 minutes. Ooh, (laughs) bring it. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Uh, This is an update from a story have you covered the story when you were here before? No, I don't think I. But you know, there's been so many stories along right. this line, along yes. this vein. So, no pun intended. Go ahead, Shira. An, an exhausted nurse who killed patients with poison in their IV drips is getting life in prison. The sentence concludes the nearly six-week trial of the former nurse who previously said she was driven to kill her patients because she was tired. We should mention. We should mention that this case is a case out of Japan, but yes. there was just one in Texas with a, a male nurse mm. who was putting air. I think it was four patients that he killed. That's he was putting wild. air in their IV, and you know you can't have air in your IV. That'll that'll take you out. Ugh. What I'm not understanding about this, with respect to a story that we talked earlier this week, uh-huh. uh, just with exhaustion within the field. But what do you think turns people into wanting to kill people? Well, either they already have mental health issues but I do think lack of sleep and like exhaustion could trigger major mental health issues and psychosis maybe and dementia too yep but killing people but yeah but they already probably were on the edge of crazy and then this was just like you're better off just doing a no call no show and just never going back to your job I don't think if they're they're looking at things in a very practical manner at that point fair just saying and Prince Harry, we're going to be talking a bit about him now and in the tier report, told Wired he warned Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey a day before January 6th about a possible attack. Really? Uh, Jack and I were, were, were emailing each other prior to January the 6th, where I, I warned him that his platform was allowing a coup to be staged. Uh, that email was sent the day before, and then it happened, and I haven't heard from him since. Okay. Wonder how that will fare when they're being questioned by Congress about all of this. Yeah. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Shar? Well, speaking of Prince Harry, he uh, just recently came out and said uh, in an interview that Megxit is a misogynistic term. Mm. Now, this has kind of divided the Internet. He says, I should mention that he does say this because the, the term was created by a troll um, and it was amplified by royal, royal correspondence and it mm-hmm. grew and grew and grew into mainstream media. And for those who don't know, Megxit is a nod to, you know, how Harry and Meghan are now stateside. He kind of denounced his princehood. They exited. They, they did a Megxit. And it's a play off of Brexit, the highly discriminatory Brexit. Now, um, some people, you know, the Internet has has been defined by hate, division and lies, as he went on to say that. But someone on Twitter like, okay, so people are divided. Megxit is a helpful and snappy term used to describe a specific situation. Mm -hmm. That's what someone also tweeted. Others noted that even if Megxit is a slur, it implies that Megan is the more powerful one in the couple. How can it be misogynistic? Shira, do you think that the term Megxit, as it pertains to Meghan Markle, is misogynistic? I think it happened to be timing and it rhymed. Like, hair or hexit, it just wouldn't be Brexit. the same. Yeah, well, but meaning, if you yeah. use the, sp- the spin on the word, like, it just I happened think, that at the time Brexit was happening, they were leaving too. So they said it was a Megxit. 
I yeah, I see both sides because Megan has gotten so much racist and, and misogynistic thing, yeah. hate that this just seems like an additional dog pile. Of course. So I definitely see both sides. They were uh, already hating on her, so you could say it is misogynistic and racist in that way. But I think it also just the term as it is, it just describes it's kind of like just a funny thing people are doing to poke fun yeah. at the whole thing. But a troll did birth it. So mm-hmm. there we go. That's the T report. Okay, well, next up on the show, the Navy is launching a ship named after Harvey Milk, and we have someone from his Harvey Milk Foundation joining us to talk more about that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The Navy launched the USNS Harvey Milk over the weekend, a replenishment oiler and the first of its ships to be named for an openly gay leader. Now, Miriam Richter joins us right now, director and counsel at the Harvey Milk Foundation. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. You know, for some context, Harvey Milk was kicked out of the Navy slash forced to resign uh, because he was gay. What is the significance of a moment like this? It's historic. There's there's no other word to describe it, that the Navy has now named a ship to celebrate someone that they have previously not only not celebrated, but not accepted. So it was a momentous occasion. What does this mean for the city of San Francisco as it pertains to uh, Harvey Milk's legacy? Well, San Francisco has embraced Harvey's legacy to such a a beautiful, beautiful extent. Um, And and this is just one more global view of that acceptance. Um, The city of San Francisco has renamed one of their terminals at the International Airport for Harvey Milk so that Travelers from all over the world coming in will see someone who was openly LGBTQ being accepted and celebrated. And the same goes, this Navy ship is going to travel the world. Mm -hmm. And every port that it goes into, including those where not only is it not okay to be gay, but where it is illegal, will see Mm -hmm. that the United States has embraced a truly iconic figure who stands for uh, authenticity and acceptance wherever he went and and wherever this ship will go. It, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, definitely. And it shows where the military is in terms of really accepting the community a bit more than they have in the past. I mean, it's certainly a stride. It, but it's, yeah, it's a step forward. <laughs> I don't forward. think they've changed that much personally. <laughs> Well, no, I have to tell you, the Secretary of the Navy, who does not always go to every ship christening, made it a point of saying that this is one that he felt he had to be at because it was so important. And not just the current Secretary of the Navy, Carlos del Toro, but a, a, the previous Secretary of the Navy, well, the, the 75th, Ray Mabus, who this was his vision. It was his decision to name this ship after Harvey Milk. Beautiful. So tell us more about the Harvey Milk Foundation. And like, what, what are you doing right now? How has the foundation evolved? Well, the foundation was formed after President Obama uh, awarded Harvey the Medal of Freedom, which is the highest civilian honor in the U.S. Uh, he, uh, he awarded it posthumously to Harvey in 2009. And... Uh, That was the the genesis of the foundation. And what we do is boots on the ground, 
uh, support for local communities, marginalized, minimalized communities in places where it's not okay to be gay. We help support them showing just showing up is a tremendous message. And we just we don't just show up. We support them. And uh, it's amazing the strides that can be made when you actually, when someone from the U.S. shows up in these Eastern European countries Mm -hmm. and says, you know what, this is okay, this is something that should be accepted, and this is something that should be celebrated, and everyone should be allowed to be their authentic selves. At all times. Definitely. And a, a great way to continue his legacy. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing all of that. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. It was an amazingly moving ceremony. Uh, Stuart Milk, who's Harvey's nephew and runs the foundation uh, and is the co-founder of the foundation, he spoke about how this ship is already saving lives. Hmm. And where can we learn when- more? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. When when the ship name was named back in 2016, the foundation got an email from a, a young man in a country where it's not it's not okay to be gay, uh, saying that basically this saved his life. He was going to save his his family the trouble of the honor killing because he was bringing wow. so much shame that. He said, this gave me hope, and I'm going to set aside my plans. And the, the, the audience, I know, I was in tears. There were many people who were in tears when we heard this story. And he said he's going to sit there and wait for the U.S. Navy ship to show up. What a beautiful see. story. Wow. What, the, yeah. I, I mean, incredibly moving. Where can our listeners find out more about the Harvey Milk Foundation? Our website is www.milkfoundation.org, and we have a lot of information there. And uh, Facebook also. We are an all-volunteer organization, so uh, we're not as as uh, cutting edge as we would like to be with social media, but um, we're, we're busy doing the work. There so any support we that like we can hear. get, we'd love Well, thank you. Thank you. We're here to support you here at Channel Q. Uh, That was Miriam Richter, Director and Counsel at the Harvey Milk Foundation. Thank you again. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Now, of course, we're switching gears as we do here on the show. We're going to be talking about what sleeping positions say about your sex life. Mm. Yes, that's next. (laughs) Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. What do your sleep positions say about your sex life? Are you ready? Okay, so this comes from sleep expert Anne-Marie Boyan, who founded the Sleep Care Company, also the author of the Sleep Journal. She shared these sleep positions uh, with the New York Post. Let's get into it. Let's. So we're going to first get into the sleep positions and then get into... How we sleep. Yeah, exactly. So first, there's the traditional spooning, of course. Yes. There's the back kissers. 
Uh, and oh, should we say what this position means? Because this is really interesting, actually. Well, yeah. Well, back kissers. This is where couples fall asleep back to back with their spines and their bones. Oh, I touching. thought that they were kissing. Like, See, that's why we got to clarify for the listeners. It means that you have a connection, but at the same time, appreciate your own space. Mm-hmm. I think everyone knows what spooning is. The nuzzle, the nuzzle, or the snuggle. This is where couples fall asleep on their backs, where one partner sleeps with their head yeah. on the other's chest, nuzzling Aww. each other. It's seen in rekindled or new relationships it's a sign of a nurturing relationship with companionship and a couple who love to snuggle nice the sleep on their stomach cup stomach couple who is it's a sign of protection of the front of the body it could indicate vulnerability lack of control or anxiety that there's a lack of sexual trust in a relationship oh my gosh i i knew someone who slept on their back anyway we'll get to that the unraveling knot is a position where couples fall asleep touching but they unravel towards their own sides of the bed as the night goes on best of both worlds okay liberty lovers back to back not touching tangled the position is where the couple falls asleep entangled with each other and finally the space hog when one of you spreads out and takes over the bed i I do that sometimes i just revealed something it can be a sign of dominance in the relationship (laughs) all right so what are you so uh I'm someone, I fall asleep on my side or on my stomach, but typically when I wake up, I'm on my back, Mm. which is odd because I never slept on my back in my childhood or adolescence. I don't know where that came from, but I will wake up like a vampire, like open my eyes as I'm coming up. Like, it's so weird. But yeah, I fall asleep on my side or stomach. That's the most comfortable for me. But I also don't have anyone occupying the other side of the bed like you do. When you do, though, here (laughs) and there, what have you done? I mean, it's the same thing. Oh, really? Yeah. I knew someone, um, a former, I, I knew someone who slept on their back. So I'm, I'm, I'm examining this. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, so, yeah, me and my partner do, we start with a bit of everything. Well, we start with the spooning or the nuzzle or snuggle, and we end up when we wake up or the unraveling knot, right? So we start together and then... When we wake up, either we're the um, back kissers, so we're both to our, our backs, which means we're, we'd like our own space to have the best of both worlds, or typically he's on his back and I'm on my stomach. Okay. I'm a st- I end up always feel I feel better on my stomach, which it says is a sign of like protection, right? In a way. Yeah, you know, I'm someone who despised. I think I was on record on on this show or on one of the other shows on this uh on, on the station pre-pandemic. I hated cuddling. I I I love oh. intimacy, but I wasn't really too big on cuddling. Well, let me tell you, Sheer Lazar. Okay. On the other end of lockdown, I am a super cuddler. You are. Cuddler with friends, yes. Because, you know, there's also been, not to derail the conversation, but there's been studies about how many hugs we need a day. And so, you know, I'm someone who lives alone. Mm-hmm. And I have no pet. And so now I cherish, I will never take a hug for granted ever again. Oh, I like I long that. hugs. I like snuggling. I've become totally emotionally codependent. Like, I need no, it. No, not codependent. I think available. <sighs> You're so available. I was emotionally unavailable yeah, before. I'm sorry to say well, that. Well, listen, <laughs> I do. I do. I am a Capricorn ruled by Saturn, judge and jury. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so interesting. Well, next up, how a hand gesture on TikTok saved a girl's life, and how it could save yours. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, we're back, and Shara Giselle is in the studio with me, filling in for Ryan today. And there's this big story that's been everywhere that could actually save your life or someone else you love. So definitely listen up. There is this signal, this um, 
hand gesture that is being shared and actually started on TikTok that shows if you're dealing with a domestic abuse or violent situation. If you're in danger, then you can use this hand gesture and it could save your life. It signals that you need help. Yes. And it actually helped one missing girl who was kidnapped. Uh, She's from North Carolina and she was discovered in someone's car, the, the man who kidnapped her. She was flashing a fist with her thumb wrapped inside and that ended up causing someone to call 911. The police showed up and then saved this girl's life. Yeah, from what I'm hearing, this originated on Zoom last year in the height of lockdown because, of course, people were at home. And unfortunately, some people were in some unsavory conditions with, you know, having to deal with domestic violence. I'm curious to know, like when these things pop up, like when these stories pop up, of course, they're heartwarming. Like, I'm glad that people were rescued and saved. But like. I want to know what to do because I didn't know anything. I'm literally just learning of this. So yeah. it makes me wonder what pocket of the Internet would this person be, you know, privy to this information or what have you? Because I would not have known if right. someone would have flashed me the symbol. I would have been like, is, is that power to the people? Is right. that Yeah, like, you wouldn't know. I, I wouldn't have known. Well, thankfully, and it's it's in a tragic way. Her story is now bringing it more into the mainstream, right? Mm-hmm. It's getting now a lot of headlines. But it actually started in 2020 by the Canadian Women's Foundation. Uh, like what you said, a year when uh, people were stuck down in lockdowns with their abusers. And if they were needing help, they would show the signal wherever they were on a FaceTime, on a Zoom call, mm-hmm. whatever that was. But then the campaign went viral across social media platforms last year, especially on TikTok. Obviously, you and I maybe aren't. I mean, I'm on TikTok a bit, but I didn't even see this. So it depends. Yeah. Like It might not get to you depending on what you're watching. And I mean, even though TikTok is, I'd be interested in knowing the age of the person who clocked this, who was able to notice, because TikTok is big only amongst certain communities and generations, though, I feel. Yeah, it's a 16-year-old girl, so she perhaps saw this, thankfully, and it right, saved her thankfully, life. Because I'm saying someone like me, I, yeah. I would, it would well, have been now meaningless you know. to me. So again, uh, go look up the story, but basically, imagine you do a high five, you put your thumb in the palm of, your, of hand. your hand, and then you put the four rest of your fingers down so it's um, like, over it. So it's like a fist with your thumb tucked in. Yeah, exactly. Or like how people would do mouth puppets and, and control the, the, the bottom lip. Well, no, I usually use mouth puppet differently, but yeah. Well, maybe that's the Canadian way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yes, check it out and share this with anyone you know, because again, it could uh, be the thing that saves you or someone else's life. Yeah. Really fascinating. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yaz Queen of the Day. Yes, the first black queen of Arizona pageant is now using her platform to advocate for elder care. 64-year-old Patricia Person was browsing the internet when she came across a headline looking for contestants for the Miss Senior Arizona pageant. Take, Take a listen to what she has to say. Well, this is the age of elegance. And Missy Arizona is not like the average pageant. In a way it is, except we're all over 60. And it's not a beauty pageant per se. It's age of elegance. It's inner beauty. It's who you are on the inside. 
After researching and looking up for the pageant's eligibility requirements, Mm -hmm. she felt something telling her to enter. That feeling dramatically increased when she learned that there had never been a black woman to win. Can you believe that? Actually, I can. Can you? Okay. I mean, it is Arizona after all. Um, So she's using her platform to... advocate for elder care like moving forward she's 64 she is gorgeous and congratulations to miss senior arizona patricia person she is the yes queen since shira doesn't have the spunk to do it like ryan does yes Uh, 64 years young yeah I love that. Congratulations. I, I love this as well. Elder care is very important. It's also a part of the Build Back Better campaign with Biden. Like, elder care is very expensive. Uh, uh-huh. And, you know, sometimes people abuse our elders. So power to her. And I wish her nothing but luck with her platform. I love that. Thank you, Shar, for that story. And that does it for our show today. But we are back tomorrow, same time, live 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on Channel Q with music and more. We're going to be getting into why your anxiety happens at the same time every day. I am interested to find out more about that. Me too. <laughs> uh, and it's 11-11, a powerful day of the year, so we're going to be talking about uh, why it's so powerful and how to manifest what you want in your life. It's a little woo-woo-woo as you say. I love the woo-woo-woo. <laughs> if you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. We are sending you a love and light and stick around for Loveline with Dr. Chris right after this, where he talks about why intimacy stops and dealing with emotions. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you.